All right, well, we're there in James chapter number 3, and we've been working our way through the book of James over the last several weeks, verse by verse, through chapters 1 and 2. And tonight, we're going to start chapter 3, and we'll go through most of the chapter tonight. And I want you to uh, I want you to pay attention, and uh, you know, I know you're in church, and obviously on Wednesday night, I hope you're here to learn the Bible, but I really believe that what we'll be dealing with tonight can transform your life. I mean, I believe it can transform your marriage. I believe it can take you from being an okay parent to a very spectacular parent. I think it could help you at work or in your business. The Bible talks a lot about what we're going to be talking tonight, and I want you to listen up, and if you've got some paper or a pen in your, in your bulletin, you should have your course of the week on the back. You can take notes there. I want you to take notes, uh, because the subject that is deal, dealt with in James chapter 3 has to do with our tongue and with our words. If you look at verse 1 there of James chapter 3, He begins kind of with a a different topic and spends just one verse on it, but we'll look at it. Verse 1, he says, My brethren, be not many masters. Now, the word master there is talking about a teacher or an instructor. Remember, they would refer to Jesus as a master. And it's talking about a leader or someone that you follow. And what he's saying is there, My brethren, be not many masters. He's saying, Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. What he's saying is, You should not really desire or have a desire. Maybe desire is the wrong word because the Bible talks about desiring the, minist- the, the work of the ministry. But he says, Don't, uh, he says, Being the leader or being the pastor, or being a, a, a spiritual leader in a church or something, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, he says, Be not many masters or don't have this idea that I want to be in charge and I want to be in charge of something and I want to get up and I want to preach and I want to do these things. He says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we, talking to the masters, to the leaders, to the spiritual leaders, the pastors, the deacons, the elders, he said, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. He's saying when we are judged, because we've been talking a lot about being judged through the book of James, he says, when we are judged, he says, those that are masters, those that are leaders, those that are teachers and instructors, they will have the greater condemnation. And you say, well, why is that? If you look at verse 2, he says, for in many things we offend. Now, the word offend there is, you know, we, we look at the word offend and we think like, I got offended. Because the pastor preached something, you know, and I didn't like it. And that could definitely be part of the context here. But that word offend means to stumble or to fall. He says, in many things we offend or in many things we cause people to stumble. We cause people to fall. We cause people to get discouraged. He says, for in many things we offend all. And he says, because of that, because we offend, because here's the thing. You cannot get up three times a week, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, speak for 45 minutes to an hour, have it recorded, and not think that you're going to say something wrong or something's going to offend somebody. You know, from time to time, I get up here and preachers get up and we say things that maybe we shouldn't have said and we may get in the flesh a little bit or maybe we take things, say things that we regret later on. And he says, look, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation for in many things we offend. Now, I want you to notice if you go back, you're there in James chapter 3, go back to James chapter 2 and look at verse 10. I want you to show you the same word, how it's used in verse 10. James chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says this, for whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend 
in one point. That word offend, that's the same word there. He is guilty of all. So he's saying if someone was able to keep the whole law, but at one point they stumbled, at one point they fell, at one point they, they messed up. He, and that's what that word offend means. Let me show it to you in another passage. Go to Romans chapter number 11. Romans chapter number 11. Now we preach and teach out of the King James Bible. The King James Bible is perfect and it's preserved and it has no, no problems at all. But I want you to notice that our King James Bible obviously was translated with an underlying uh, Greek. And sometimes it's interesting, you can find in our King James Bible how the same Greek word is translated differently throughout the scriptures. And I believe that the King James translators did that to kind of give us some insight into what they felt that word meant. So they'll take one word, for example, uh, you know, agape, and they'll translate it love, and they'll translate it charity, and that teaches us that those words are synonymous. They mean the same thing. In Romans chapter number 11 and verse number 11, you find this exact same word, but notice it's not translated offend. In Romans 11, 11, he says this, I say then, have they stumbled? You see that word stumble? as a same word uh, uh, that's translated offend in James in Romans is translated stumble. He says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, there's not a problem with it being translated stumble or fall. We can just compare those things and see what that word means. So, when James says that we offend all, he's talking about causing people to stumble. Let me give you another example. Go to 2 Peter chapter number 1. If you can get back to James, the very next books are 1st and 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 1, look at verse number 10. 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 10. And of course, we're not correcting the King James Bible. There's no need to correct the King James Bible. It is perfect and preserved. Uh, but sometimes it's interesting to see how the same word is translated differently. And the Bible allows us to kind of get some insight into that word. 2 Peter chapter number 1, look at verse number 10. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, the Bible says this, Wherefore the, rather, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never, and here's our word, fall. It's the same word, stumble, it's offend. It means to cause someone to fall, to stumble, to quit, to give up. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you get back to James chapter 3, look at verse 2. For in many things we offend, we cause people to stumble, we cause people to fall. That's why you want to be very careful to not just take on, you know, a leadership position and say, I'm just going to get up there and say whatever I want. You want to be very careful about making sure that you have the right attitude when you step up in front of people. I'm talking to the men now, you know, that want to preach. You want to be very careful that you make sure you get up with the right spirit and the right attitude. Our job is not to offend people. Our job is not to be jerks. Our job is to preach the truth. If the Bible offends them, then that's fine. The Word of God offended them, but they ought not be offended at at us or how we portray it. Because notice what he says, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. Now notice what he says. If any man offend, he says, if any man causes someone to fall or stumble, not. He says, if someone does not offend, if someone does not cause someone to fall or stumble, notice what he said. In word. The same is a perfect man. Now I'm not going to take the time to develop that word perfect. We looked at it last week. But we talked about the fact that the word perfect means whole or complete, mature. And if you remember, the purpose of the book of James is, is to teach us how to be that mature Christian, how to be that perfect and complete and, and, uh, and mature individual walking in Christ. Now, here's what he says. If any man 
is able, he says, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So here's what he's saying. Because James has been teaching us. Remember, James chapter 2, he's telling us faith without works is dead. He's saying you're immature. He says you're not a fool. You haven't grown up yet. If you're not working, if you're not doing something, if you're not, you know, uh, doing the things that you ought to do. The whole book has been about getting us to the place where we are mature. And here's what he says. There is a measure to maturity. He says, if you want to tell how mature of a Christian you are, you can tell by how often you offend people with your words. Because notice what he says. He says, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. He says, if you're constantly, you know, you're like, every time I open my mouth, people get mad and leave and get upset and walk away. He says, there's something wrong with you. Because a perfect Christian, a perfect, mature, complete, whole individual knows how to use their words in a way that does not offend. Notice verse, go, go back to James chapter 1, look at verse 26. We skipped James 1, 26 when we were in James 1 because I knew that we'd be talking about it in James chapter 3, but let me show you the same concept. The, there's a measurement of maturity. You are mature when you can use your words properly. We're not talking about watering down the truth, but we're talking about making sure that your words are, are good words. James chapter 1, look at verse 26, notice what he says. If any man among you seem to be religious, here's what he's saying. If any man among you seems, they seem like they're mature. They seem like, man, wow, that person is really spiritual. That person is very religious. That person's got it put together. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, says, they look spiritual, they act spiritual, they come into church and they want everybody to know, look at how spiritual I am, but they're not able to bridle their tongue. Notice, the Bible says, and bridle is not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. That man's religion is vain. And the word vain means empty. There's no substance to it. Here's what he's saying. They may seem religious, but they're not. They may seem mature, but, they, but they're not. They may seem complete. They may seem whole. They may seem right, but they're not if they're not able to bridle their own tongue because the measurement of maturity is how you control your tongue. Look at verse 2. And for those of you that are taking notes, point number one is this. What James wants to teach us is how we should speak, how we should use our tongues. And here what he's, here's what he says. Number one, you ought to speak with control. You ought to speak with control. Look at verse 2. He says, for in many things we offend all. Now here's what he says. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Here's what he says. And able, so here's how you offend not in word. Here's how you become a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Now here's what James says, and he gives us some insight. When he says, I'm going to write a self-help book right out of James chapter 3. Because here's what he says. He says, if you want to learn how to bridle your body, and the word bridle, look, look at verse 3. I love James. He gives us illustrations. Every time he makes a point, he gives us these illustrations. Verse 3, he says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that, we may, that they may obey us, obey us, and we turn about their whole body. He says, you, you take a horse, he says, you take this massive, big, strong, huge animal, and you put a bit in their mouth. And you put a piece of leather in their mouth, and you're able to control that beast, that huge, powerful animal that could, you know, crush you and destroy you. You're able to control that beast if you can control his mouth. 
And he says, look, if you get to the place where you can control your mouth, he said, you'll be able to control. You, you say, Pastor Jimenez, my finances are out of control. I can't seem to get a hold of my finances. Learn to control your mouth, and you will learn to control your finances. You say, oh, my, my health is bad, and I can't seem to lose weight, and I can't, you know, I just, I'm out of control when it comes to my health. Learn to control your mouth. Usually people that cannot control their mouth cannot control other areas of their life. And here's what James says. He says, you learn to control your mouth, you'll learn to control other places. Because here's the thing, the hardest thing to control is your tongue. The hardest thing to control is the words that come out of your mouth. And if you learn to bridle those words, then you'll learn self-discipline to be able to have that discipline. I mean, look what it says. Look at verse 2. For if any man, uh, if, if, for if, uh, good night, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Here's another illustration, verse 4. Behold, also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce wind, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. So as you take one of these big, huge, huge ships, they've got this little rudder, they've got this little helm, and whatever that little helm decides to do, that's where that big old ship goes. It says, whatever that bridle decides to do, that's where that big old horse goes. And he says, your body and my body and your life and my life is the same way. If you learn to control your tongue, you'll learn to control everything else. So here's what James says. Speak with control. He said, don't get out of control with your words. Can you go back to James chapter 1? Here's another verse we skipped when we were in James 1 because I knew we'd deal with it in James 3. But let's look at it in James 1. Look at verse 19. James chapter 1 verse 19. Notice what he said in James 1 19. James chapter 1 and verse 19. Notice what he says. Wherefore, my beloved brethren... Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be, here's some great advice, let every man be swift to hear, it's even alliterated for you, let every man be swift to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. See, when you slow down, you get in control. When people usually lose control of a vehicle, it's because they're going too fast. You slow a vehicle down, anybody, a 12-year-old can control a car if you slow it down enough. And here's what he says, your tongue needs to get slowed down. He said, some of you are too fast, too quick. You don't listen. He said, be, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. See, what he's teaching us is that we ought to speak with control. Can you go to Proverbs? Proverbs has so many verses about this. We're going to look at a lot of verses in Proverbs. In fact, I would encourage you when you get to Proverbs, go to Proverbs chapter 10. I'd encourage you when you get to Proverbs, put a bulletin there or a ribbon or a bookmark or something because we're going to go back and forth from James and Proverbs a lot. Proverbs chapter number 10 and look at verse number 19. Proverbs chapter number 10 and verse number 19. You, if you can control your tongue, you can control everything else about your life. If you can control your tongue, you can control your body. You've got a problem with anger, learn to control your tongue, and you'll control your anger. You've got a problem with drugs or alcohol or gambling or spending, whatever it is. You say, whatever it is that's out of control in your life, get a hold of your tongue and you'll learn how to get a hold of everything else. Proverbs chapter number 10. Look at verse 19. Proverbs chapter number 10. And keep your bulletin or something in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. In the multitude of words. Here's what he's saying. Where there's a lot of words. You ever met someone that just talks a lot? In the multitude of words. Notice. There wanteth not sin. Now, here's what that phrase, wanteth not. It means there's no want of or there's no lack of. Here's what he's saying. If you talk a lot, you're going to sin a lot. Because the more we talk, 
the more we sin. He says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not, there is no want of, there is no lack of sin. But he, notice, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. What does it mean to refrain your lips? It means to control your mouth. It means, I want to say all these things, but I stop myself. Go to Proverbs 17, look at verse 27. Proverbs 17, look at verse 27. Proverbs chapter 17. So what does James teach? James teaches, he says, if you want to be a mature Christian, he said, if you don't want to offend, you want to, have a great, you want to have a great marriage, you want to have a great marriage, you want to be a great parent, learn to control your speech. Learn to control your words. He that it refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs 7, 19. Are you there in Proverbs 17? Look at verse 27. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 27. He that hath knowledge, he that hath something up here, he that is smart, he that's got wisdom. He that hath knowledge, notice, spareth his words. Here's what he's saying. Uses his words sparingly. Uses his words sparingly. He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of excellent spirit. Look at verse 28. Even a fool, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. You say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Look, even a fool, if, if he closes his mouth and says nothing, people will say, that's a wise person. Because when, you know, it's better to have people question whether you're a fool instead of opening your mouth and removing all doubt. You know what I mean? You say, you open your mouth, you start talking, then they're going to know you're a fool. But if you just keep your mouth shut, they might say, I wonder what so-and-so thought about that. You might have not thought of anything. You might have not known what to think about that, but they don't know that. And we have to be very wise to use our words sparingly. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. Look at Proverbs 21. Look at verse 23. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. The Bible says this. Proverbs 21 and verse 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. If you learn to just keep your mouth closed and keep your tongue in control, you will learn to keep your soul from troubles, what the Bible says. Go to Proverbs 29, look at verse 20. Proverbs 29 and verse 20. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 20. I, I like Proverbs 29, 20 because it goes with uh, James 1:19. It's the opposite of James 1:19. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? Now here's what the word hasty means. They're quick. They're quick to speak. It's the opposite of being slow to speak. Remember James 1.19 said, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Here's the opposite of that. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. See, you say, well, what, how, what can I do to get mature? What can I do to grow? What can I do to be better, to be a better parent, to be a better spouse, to be a better employee or employer, to be just better in life? Learn to speak with control. That's what James is teaching us. He's saying, learn to bridle your tongue. Learn to bridle your mouth. He said, learn to control the things that come out of your mouth. Go, to, go, go back to James. Now, keep your finger on something in Proverbs, because we're going to go to James. We're going to come back to Proverbs uh, eventually. Go to James chapter number 3. Go back to James chapter 3 and look at verse 7. Now, here's what you've got to understand. You cannot control your tongue. And here's what I mean by that. You cannot control your tongue. I cannot control my tongue. Notice what James chapter 3 and verse 7 says. Very interesting verse. He says, for every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. You know what that tells me? During the time of James, they had, you know, 
Ringling Brothers circus going around. They'd already tamed all the elephants. They'd already tamed all the lions. I mean, he says every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. He says, look, we can tame any type of animal. We can tame all types of animals. But look what he says in verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. See, you cannot control your tongue. And by the way, the world cannot control their tongue. In fact, our world is upside down in the sense that you go out into the world and they pride themselves on, oh, well, I just speak my tongue. No, you just don't know how to control your tongue. Well, I just always tell people how I feel. That's not a good quality. That's a bad quality. We don't need to know every dumb thought that comes in your brain. We don't need to know everything that comes, you know, and now they don't even want to just say it. They want to put it on Facebook and on Twitter and let everybody know all the dumb things that they believe. And, and you say, well, the world, you know, but here's the thing. A man in his flesh cannot tame his tongue, but God can and the Holy Spirit can because Jesus, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So he says, well, no man can tame the tongue. Jesus was not a man. And with Jesus Christ, I can tame my tongue. So what does James teach? Number one, he teaches us that we ought to speak with control. We ought to bridle our tongue. But number two, he teaches this, for those of you taking notes, not only should we speak with control, but we ought to speak with caution. We ought to speak with caution. Look at verse 5, James chapter 3, verse 5. Notice what he says. Even so, the tongue is a little member. He says it's a very small body part. He said, you know, compared to your thigh or some of your guys' feet, it's not very big. He says, even so, the tongue is a little member. And boasts of great things. Behold, here's what he says. He says, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. He says, your tongue is a very small part of your body compared to other members of the body. But he says, it only takes a little spark to start a huge fire. And it only takes a small member to cause a big problem. Look at verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. I mean, notice how God, through James here, describes our tongue. He says, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Say, how much iniquity? Enough to fill an entire world. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it, notice, defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. It is and is set on fire of hell. I mean, you think James is being a little dramatic here? He's trying to tell you, he's trying to tell you, your tongue is very dangerous. And your tongue can cause a lot of problems. Say, it's just a little tongue. It's just a little word. I just said a few things. I just said something. You know, it slipped out of my mouth. You can cause a lot of problems with those little words that come out of your mouth. Look at verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. See, you've got to understand this. There is great power in your words. There is great power in the things that come out of your mouth. Can you get back to Proverbs? Go to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. We all grew up hearing the, the little uh, saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, the truth of that saying is that it's not true at all. And, you know, someone may throw sticks and stones at you, and months and years and decades after those wounds have healed, people are still dealing with words that hurt them. And the truth of the matter is that your words carry with them a lot of power. Are you there in Proverbs chapter 12? Look at verse 18. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. I, I like Proverbs 12, 18. Some of you ought to underline this and memorize it. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword. 
Some of you, the way you talk to your children is like you're stabbing them with a knife. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword. Some of you, the way you respond to your husband or the way you respond to your wife or the way you respond to your mom, kids, the way you respond to your dad, the way you respond to people when they upset you, there is that speaketh like the... Don't tell me words don't hurt. Piercing of a sword. The Bible says your words are like that. But the tongue of the wise, notice the difference. The tongue of the wise is hell. See, your words can injure or your words can heal. Your words can pierce someone like a sword or your words can heal their wounds. Proverbs 15 and verse 1, notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. You thought I was being dramatic when I said this could revolutionize your marriage. Some of you got a hold of this. It could literally change your marriage. Change the way you raise your kids. It could change the future that your kids will have with you if you learn to control your tongue. Proverbs 15 and verse 1, notice, notice the power of the tongue. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Well, they came at me with a bad attitude, and they came at me all mad, and they came... Look, a soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. You, you can keep that crazy cycle going with your words if you want, or you can just put it, you can just end it, you can just... You say, well, my boss came at me, and he shouldn't talk to me. He shouldn't talk to you like that. Your husband shouldn't talk to you like that. Your wife shouldn't talk to you like that. Your mom shouldn't talk to you like that. You're right. But the way you control your tongue and your words, or the way you respond, the way you react, it holds power because the Bible says, a soft answer turneth the way around. But see, our flesh wants to do this, grievous words, stir up anger. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 24. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Aren't you amazed how much the Bible talks about this? Just Proverbs. I mean, there's all, or all other verses we could go to, and we'll go to some of them in the New Testament as well. But just Proverbs talks so much about this. Proverbs 16 and verse 24. The Bible says this, Pleasant words are as in honeycomb. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health to the bone. Your words can be sweet to the soul, can be health to the bones. They can be honeycomb or they can be death. They can be health or they can pierce someone like a sword. Go to Proverbs 18, look at verse 21. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. I I like Proverbs 18, 21. Here's another one I would... Write down and memorize if I were you. Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And you can go around offending people and being mean to people and being rude to people and say, well, I'm just kidding and I was just joking. But there is power to your words. And you can offend people by the way, the, thing, the way you use your tongue. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, I want, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Look, it's just Wednesday night Bible study. We're just going through the book of James. But I really want, don't waste the time you're here. Look, you're already here. You already got off of work. You already skipped dinner. You already came here. Okay? You might as well get something out of the lesson tonight. But I want you parents, and I want those of you that are married, and those of you that are in any type of relationship with anybody in this world, I want you to just take inventory of your words. How do you use your words? Mom. And dad, do you use your words to build up your children to be health and, and, and moral and, and strengthen your children? Or do you pierce them and hurt them? How do you use your words with your spouse? How do you use your words with your employees or people that are under your authority? See, James said, if you want to be a perfect man, he said, you got to learn to speak with control, number one. But you also need to learn to speak with caution. 
Because your words are powerful. And you can hurt someone. So you ought to be very cautious about the things that come out of your mouth. And if you're not sure what to say, just don't say anything at all. Speak with restraint. Number three. If you can get back to James chapter number three, look at verse nine. So he said, number one, you ought to speak with control. We said, number two, you ought to speak with caution. Number three, you ought to speak with consistency. You ought to speak with consistency. You say, what are you talking about there? Well, I had to get them all to start with a C, you know. Look at verse 9. James chapter 3 and verse 9. Notice what he says. Therewith. Now, the therewith is referring to the tongue. He says, therewith, bless we God. He says, with your tongue, you bless God. You come to church, you say, bless the Lord. Bless God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. But then, on the way home from church, therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. He says, look, your words ought to be consistent. You ought not speak a certain way at church, and then you go home and speak differently. Yeah, you say, ah, you know, well, there's certain words we don't say at, at church, kids. There, if you can't say them at church, you ought not say them at all. You say, well, well, these are the words we use at home, and then these are... No, 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 listen to me. God is just as much in your house and in your office and in your workplace as He is here on a Sunday morning or on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. And He says, look, if you bless God with your tongue, then don't curse men with that same tongue because they were made after the similitude of God. Look at verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. He says your words ought to be consistent. Your words ought to be the same everywhere you go. It's not here I bless and there I curse and here I'm mad and there I'm not. If you ought to act and speak the same everywhere you go. He says your words should be consistent. Look at verse 11. He says, does the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? So you're going to walk up to a fountain, you're going to walk up to a well and get sweet water out of it and then get bitter water out of it? It's either sweet or it's bitter. Look at verse 12. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear the olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. He's saying, look, you can't get salt water out of the, and then get fresh water out of the same fountain. He said, in the same way, you ought not get a curse and a blessing out of the same tongue. And remember, I, I, I told you that the book of James is kind of a throwback to the Sermon on the Mount from Christ. We've been looking at you know, different things where they're very similar. They were both dealing with judgment. They were both uh, dealing with application and applying the things that you learn. Let me show you another, another area where they're very similar. Go to Jane, uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Of course, you've got the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews chapters 5, 6, and 7. And J- James chapter 3 talks about the fact that a fountain brings forth either sweet water or, or, uh, or bitter water. And he says, a fig tree cannot, bring, cannot bear olives. It can't bear figs and olives. He says, a vine cannot bear grapes and figs. He says, if it bears figs, then it can't bear anything else. He says, if it, if, it, if it bears olives, then it can't bear figs. And Jesus taught the same idea. Now, Jesus taught about false prophets, but notice in Matthew chapter 7, I'll just show it to you just for sake of, because we're studying God's Word together. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse uh, 15. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. Notice what he says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. He says, Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? He said, If... if can you, if, if there's a bush with thorns, can you get grapes out of it? He says, can you get figs from a thistle? 
Verse 17, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruit ye shall know them. People like to throw this verse around and say, oh, by their fruits you'll know them, and it has to do with how good of a Christian they are. No, it's by what they produce. He says if a false prophet, if there's a prophet who's producing a bunch of people who aren't saved and believe in heresy, then that tree must not be a good tree because a good tree does not produce bad fruit and a bad tree does not produce good fruit you want to know if pastor Jimenez is a good prophet or a false prophet you want to know if i'm a good tree or if i'm a bad tree just look at my fruit i mean talk talk to yourself what have you learned is it good doctrine or is it bad doctrine i know it's not being impressive but it's, it is what it is you know what i mean it's, it's what we produce around here the and here's the idea the source if it's good it'll bring forth something good and if it's bad, it'll bring forth something bad. Job said, can you bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And here's what he's saying. Inside of you, you've got a source of good and you've got a source of bad. We've got a spirit and we've got the flesh. And these two war against each other. Galatians says that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that we cannot do the things that we would. And when you don't control your tongue, and when you don't speak cautiously, and when you don't speak consistently, and when you are a hypocrite with your words, and when you hurt people, and when you're mean, and when you get in the flesh, and when you do those things, it's because you're getting, you're digging into that well of the flesh and not the spirit. Because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So my question for you is, where do your words come from, the flesh or the spirit? You say, well, what, what should I do? Here's what you should do. Well, let's, go, let's, let's look at some references in the New Testament. Go, go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're almost done. It's 8.01. We'll be done in 50 minutes for sure, without a doubt. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4. If you start in the Matthew, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. All right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 29. The only thing that ought to be coming out of your mouth is good. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Notice what the Bible says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt... It doesn't say let some. It doesn't say let a little. It doesn't say let some of it slip out. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth... But that which is good, notice, don't miss this, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When you open your mouth, does it minister grace? When you open your mouth, does it edify those you are speaking with? You say, well, Pastor Man, I come here three times a week and you never minister grace to me. I'm always offended. Look, Lord willing, you're offended by the word of God. Lord willing, some, some of you are offended right now because you, you were fighting when you were coming here. Say, did you tell the pastor? Yeah, your wife came and told me, you know, and I just wrote this whole sermon two minutes before the... You know, you're, some of you are fighting before you got here. You'll be fighting on the way back because you're not listening. You say, you say well, well, you know, the, the words are offensive. Look, sometimes truth offends. We don't mind if truth offends. But our attitude, our disposition ought to never offend. Our words ought to be edifying. They ought to minister grace. Go to Colossians. You're there in Ephesians? Go past Philippians, Colossians. Past Philippians, you're in Ephesians, past Philippians, Colossians. 
Some of you, the reason you say, I don't understand why nobody likes me at work is because your words are offensive. I don't understand why everybody's always mad at me and my family hates me and my neighbors don't like me and they all have a part, you know, they have a barbecue and I'm the only neighbor that doesn't get invited. It's, cause, it's probably because you don't know how to control your tongue. It's probably because you're not considerate of others. You're not cautious with your words. And you're, not, you're not consistent with your words. You say you're a Christian, but your mouth is hypocritical. Colossians chapter number 3, look at verse 8. But now ye also, Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now ye also put off all these. Here's what he tells us we ought to put off. It's like you're taking these clothes off. He says, you've got these clothes on, I want you to take them off. Put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. These are things Christians should not do. They should not get angry. They should not have wrath. They should not have malice. They should not have blasphemy. They should not have filthy communications coming out of your mouth. Some of you speak vulgar things. You talk about things that should not be talked about, that are done of them in secret, and you ought to stop if you're going to grow as a Christian. It's not right to talk about vulgar things. Not, let me just say, it's not right to talk about things that are done in the bedroom. It's not right. It's filthy communication. It doesn't minister grace. Go to Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse 6. Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse 6. See, Pastor Menes, you're not being very nice to me tonight. I, I'm not trying to be nice to you. Some of you got confused with this idea of a pastor. My job is not to be your friend. Now, if I can preach the word to you and be your friend, that's a good thing. But I'd rather just preach the word and not be friends. I'd rather you hate me and you grow. I'd rather you hate me and you don't get that divorce. I'd rather you hate me and your kids grow up and do right because you learn how to use your tongue. And this is a problem that we have in our society today where people do not learn how to control their mouth. Are you in the Colossians chapter 4? Look at verse 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech be always or always or all the way with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. See, we ought to speak with control. We ought to speak with caution. We ought to speak with consistency. Go to 1 Timothy. You're there in Colossians. If you, the next book is 1 and 2 Thessalonians, then you got 1 Timothy. You got Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy. We'll close with this. Someone, someone said this to me, and I really liked it. I wrote it down. I try to look at it on a regular basis. Before speaking, you speaking, before opening your mouth, before letting words come out of your mouth, you ought to ask yourself these three questions. And, and you know, I, I would encourage you to write this down. It's not deep, but it's good. Before you speak, you ought to ask yourself these questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Let me say that again. Is it true? Is it kind? Well, it was true when I said it was true. Okay, was it kind? Well, I said it in a kind way. Was it necessary? Well, I didn't need to say it. Then why'd you say it? Before you open your mouth, you got to ask yourself this question. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? From time to time, people will give my children gifts. And in our home, and whatever your stand is, is fine. We, you, you take your own stands. We take our own stands. It doesn't make a difference to me. But our, at our home, we don't allow our children to watch Disney movies. Uh, you know, it's just a position that we took a long time ago. We just, there's some things with Disney that I'm not for. From time to time, people will give my children gifts, and they'll have a Disney character on that gift. I don't take the gift and throw it back in their face and tell them, you know at Disney they perform marriages for the sodomites. Say, well, why don't you do that? Because it's not necessary. You understand what I'm saying? Well, they gave your kid a a gift with a Disney character on it. We just take it, say thank you, and just put it in a closet somewhere, throw it away later. (laughs) You say, well, you should tell those people. Why? Is Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Do I need to? 
See, we got to get this idea in our head. I, I was at somebody's uh, house recently, and they, they said, Pastor, come, come, in, come in my office. And they said, look, look at my bookshelf. Look at all these books that I have. They started reaching, grabbing all these books. They grabbed the book by George W. Bush. I, I didn't say to him, well, you know that George Bush was a 33rd degree Mason. So why didn't you tell him that? Because it's not needed. Because it's not necessary. Because it's not edifying. Because it doesn't make a difference. Because it's not helpful. You gotta ask yourself these questions. Before you, uh, uh, you'll save yourself a lot of grief. You might save your marriage tonight. You might cause your kids to not hate you when they grow up if you just learn to stop and control your tongue and be cautious with your words and be consistent and be real and be true and ask yourself these questions. If, is what I'm about to say true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Now, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes we need to be firm, and sometimes we need to take a stand. Sometimes we need to just draw the line and say, here's where I stand. And, and I don't have to be rude about it, but I can just tell you, here, you know, that we, we, this is what we believe, and this is where we're going to go, and that's it. But listen to me. We open our mouths too much. We say too many things that aren't needed, that aren't needful. Are you there in 1 Timothy chapter 5? Look at verse 13. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13. You say, Pastor Manus, are you upset? No, it's just James chapter 3. I'm trying to help you. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says this. This is specifically about women. You say, well, I don't, you know, God, I, didn't write, I didn't write the Bible. But I think women may struggle with this. First Timothy 5.13, the Bible says, And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Are you that person that always needs to get, I just need to know what happened. What were they saying? What was that about? I just need to know. Because I'm going to get on the phone and tell all my friends, did you know that so-and-so? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary for you to get on the phone with 25 of your closest friends and let them know that you saw a book by George W. Bush in their house or Billy Graham or whatever? It'll help you out. And actually, it'll help you grow. So I want you to take inventory of your words. How are you at controlling your words? It'll tell you a lot about your maturity. Do your words minister grace? Are they edifying? Are they always with grace? Are they health? Are they honeycombs? Or do they pierce people like swords? And they bring death instead of life. Is what you say true, kind, and necessary? It'll change your life, I promise you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father.